All right, everybody, as you can see, I'm coming to you from my bunker at Graham Central Station going through some renovations, which is metaphoric for the Tim Graham Show, uh, which is going to be relaunching probably later this week uh, with a new name, a new format, all kinds of good stuff that we have in store. But we didn't want to waste uh, an opportunity to talk about the Bills week two performance. Uh, I am Tim Graham from The Athletic here with my co-host Jonah Bronstein and Matthew Fairburn, also of The Athletic, and uh, we're going to put together a podcast here. We're using a different technology. Uh, we're going to have Zoom uh, capabilities here, so this will be a video thing, uh, but we'll unveil more of our, uh, our plans moving forward. Uh, for today, we just wanted to throw out some topics regarding the Bills. They're hot. Everybody wants to talk about them. Uh, we all saw what they did against uh, the Miami Dolphins, uh, following up that great performance uh, on opening day against the New York Jets. So, uh, and it, it should be pointed out that we've always touted ourselves as the guys who are in the locker room, uh, the radio show, uh, the guys who are on the scene. That's not the case uh, during the pandemic. Matthew Fairburn and I actually covered uh, the game from the Niagara uh, Seneca Niagara uh, Casino Sportsbook, and, and we wrote about it. So check that out uh, if you're that's something that sounds interesting. Uh, and uh, you know, Jonah, with his work for the Associated Press, has not been in the locker room, uh, nor have I. Um, so we are observing it uh, a little bit like the fans are, a lot more like fans. Um, but we do have some insights. We're, we're talking to these guys on the Zooms, uh, on the video conferences. We're talking to our sources. Uh, um, Matthew Fairburn showing that off, uh, you know, <laughs> getting some quotes about how Josh Allen and maybe has a lot more in common with Ryan Fitzpatrick than, uh, than you would think. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but anyway, I'll just open it up. That was my long preamble. Uh, as you can see, I got paint cans and goo gone and everything else back there for a basement remodel. Um, partially with the show in mind, uh, but we'll have a, a better setup here as, uh, shortly. Um, so we're kind of winging it here today, boys. Um, your thoughts on these bills and whatever else you want to throw out there. I don't care. Oh, I guess I should say from the start of the show, this is how rusty I am. Uh, we do, we'll have a couple of guests on today's show. Uh, the stripped down version doesn't mean we can't bring you, uh, uh, insights from other people. We will have Jeff Glore from CBS this morning, Saturday, the Kenmore East grad and, uh, former anchor of uh, CBS evening news, uh, is going to come in. He's not only going to talk bills, uh, but he uh, just did a great feature uh, over the weekend on the making of Goodfellas uh, and uh, a book that's out after 30 years. Uh, the book is called Made Men, the Story of Goodfellas. And uh, Jeff interviewed the author and also the screenwriter for Goodfellas, Nicholas Pileggi, um, uh, for a piece over the weekend that was really uh, informative if you're a fan of the movie, which uh, I think that's a guy thing, right? Uh, I don't I don't know. I guess I'll throw that. Oh, and Joe Licata. He's going to talk Goodfellas too, but are you Goodfellas guys or? I love Goodfellas. Is it, let me ask you this, Tim. Is Goodfellas the best mob mafia movie? Well, that's one of the things that Jeff Glor mentions in his feature. He calls it like the trilogy of, I don't remember the exact phrasing that he used, but the trilogy of, of uh, gangster, uh, gangster cinema or however he called it, but it was the Godfather uh, Goodfellas and The Sopranos. The Sopranos is a different category because it was a television show, but still very cinematic in that regard. We could talk to him about that, but 
Where's Casino on that list? Even God, Godfather 2, I guess you can lump in as part of the Godfather, but I always go back and forth as to whether I like Casino better than Goodfellas or, or because there's a lot of similarities, obviously. The cast is almost identical, but um, yeah, it's almost yeah, like huge Goodfellas guys. One of those movies that I have to at least watch a few scenes of when I come across it on TV, if not the, the whole rest of the show. This is fitting. I get to play the role of Rodak because I haven't seen it. Oh. I, now, I also haven't seen Godfather, so I'm pretty ignorant to uh, the, the mob movies. But yeah. having, watched, um, having watched Jeff's feature and having um, – I've heard about this book uh, because the author was on a podcast or something uh, that I was listening to. So it's actually piqued my interest. For some reason, one of those movies that I never, uh, that I never saw. I, but like I said, I'm, I'm just, uh, I guess I'm just filling the road act role here. Please you only know, know the, the Bills Mafia. You probably think right, the Mafia yeah. just runs around jumping through tables. And exactly. Well, that's a question we should ask Jeff is where he was going to put the, maybe how close Bills Mafia came to supplanting the Sopranos on that list of the three of the triumvirate. Um, yeah, Goodfellas is a great movie. So Nicholas Pileggi was the original author of the book, uh, the, the biography of Henry Hill. And uh, people who have listened to Howard Stern, as you know, if you've listened to the Tim Graham show over the years, a huge Howard Stern fan here. Um, and Henry Hill was a crazy guest who used to get, he was in the witness protection program, but his ego was so big that he eventually emerged to speak to Nicholas Pileggi for this book. He was still in the witness pro protection program, kept blowing it by getting arrested or doing media. And what he would do is he'd be on benders. Howard Stern used to come on at, I don't know, when he was on in New York. Was he on at six in the morning, maybe he would start or seven? Morning really early. early. And he'd be on a bender from the night before. And I think living out in Vegas, so there was a time difference also. And he'd be loaded, drunk. And he'd call into Howard Stern and he'd start telling all these mob secrets uh, when he's supposed to be in witness protection. But anyway, Henry Hill, a great, uh, uh, great guest and uh, won't be on the show today, unfortunately. Any relation uh, to Hank Hill? I don't JD, think JD so. Hill, former Bills receiver. I, and you know what? You, you mentioned Hank Hill, and it makes me think of Bobby. And uh, this is the first show off of uh, Sports Radio 1270. So I guess I should make note of that. Uh, my thanks to Cumulus Radio and Sports Radio 1270. You know, a lot of uh, extenuating circumstances there. The show had to come off the air because the station was in a, a pandemic-type lockdown. Uh, for several weeks, uh, they underwent um, a series of uh, layoffs and furloughs, and they're on a skeleton crew there at Cumulus. And I, I think that the Tim Graham show became, um, you know, a big inconvenience for, for that. And I'm not, you know, blaming them. I, you know, our show is a, is a bit of a triviality, uh, and I don't take offense to that at all. But I think we kind of got lost in the shuffle there. And rather than, you know, wait around, you know, for the next step or for new hires or, you know, different, a different world, which who knows when it's going to come, uh, I decided to take back control of the show and, and just do it this way. So that way I can do it from, you know, this mess, uh, from my, the shambles of my basement and, uh, and we'll get it going. We'll get it going again. Oh, and boom, should have mentioned this to begin with, uh, CTBK, um, CPAs and business consultants have made the move with us. So they'll be sponsoring the show just as they did uh, on uh, Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. So uh, 
the reason I guess I forgot to mention CTBK is because we're going to have a new title and CTBK is the title sponsor. So like at least for this podcast uh, slash video cast, because we're, I guess I, I'm letting it slip a little bit at a time. We're going to be coming out on uh, YouTube also um, totally different formats and you're going to be able to get the show in different places. It will be such and such brought to you by CTBK. So at least for today, the Tim Graham show brought to you by CTBK. So thanks for making the move with us guys. Now, where friends were we? Of the show. You're welcome. Friends of the show. Um, underwriters of the show. Right. Um, so uh, Buffalo Bills, 2-0. Uh, two, uh, two wins in the division. And, uh, you know, without further ado, uh, rather than hear us talk about what the Buffalo Bills are up to, Jeff Glor has uh, phoned into the show. Jeff, we had a long preamble to start the show because – this is the soft launch of the uh, what will be no longer called the Tim Graham Show shortly, but we are coming back uh, in this podcast and all the excitement of the Bills and their victory uh, over the Dolphins and what Josh Allen is up to. We we got back on the on the air, uh, and I we were just talking about Goodfellas for fifteen minutes, and uh, so oh, we boy. are just now starting to talk <laughs> Bills. How about if you introduce us? Uh, just you throw out your thoughts uh, as a Bills fan as to what you think of these guys after two weeks. And, and thanks for coming on with us. Sure, of course. I have to be honest with you. I would prefer to hear you guys talk about it. Uh, <laughs> no one wants to hear what I have to say. Um, well, how about yeah, this? You uh, tell us about uh, your thoughts as a fan, Jeff, because that's the perception. And we're watching these games as fans, too. We're not in the locker rooms like we were because of the pandemic. We're, we don't have the access that we normally do. So we're watching it a lot more with a fan's perspective or a fan's distance. Um, but let's hear how excited you are, and then the three of us will knock it down. All right, who's on with you right now? Oh, we're um, the, the usual crew. It's uh, Matthew Fairburn and Jonah Bronstein are here. I've been girding my loins uh, all morning for this. And I gave Matthew Fairburn <laughs> a heads up that you were coming for him. Yes. So he's, he's yes. I was Yes, because <laughs> I felt like his eyes rolled over – uh, terrestrially, uh, when we were on the radio last year, when I made my Josh Allen prediction for the previous season. Um, and you know what's funny? Well, we went back guy. and listened to the tape to see what it was. We were going to prepare for what it was, and we couldn't find it. You are so perceptive. You were actually watching the video. It was a facial reaction that you, that you were holding against him. No, I didn't. I wasn't actually watching the video, but I was. I was listening, and I and I heard the eyes roll. Oh, I see. Um, he could just sense it. He could feel it. <laughs> um, for the record, you guys are doing amazing work continually on the athletic. Um, and I thank you, Jeff. And I read it every every morning and every night and all the time. Uh, so it's great. Um, uh, yeah, it's been exciting. I mean, I you know, like I, as as always, I I guess I try to keep my uh my enthusiasm in check given the opponents we've played um but um and i and i don't and i don't have the i don't have the connection and the closeness that you guys have being being there and and, and watching the, the practices and everything else um but obviously it's what's happening so far is encouraging yeah it's obviously what Josh Allen is doing right now is historic from a bill standpoint and really from an NFL standpoint, the crazy stat that pro football reference came up with, and I don't have the exact numbers that they used, 
but Josh Allen is one of only four quarterbacks in NFL history to hit these various thresholds through 700 yards, six touchdowns, no interceptions through the first two weeks of the season. Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Patrick Mahomes, and Josh Allen. Only those quarterbacks are, who have done those are some poor. Those those guys are not. Those other guys are not good. Yeah, they're above they're average. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they haven't been very good quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, Did we lose? Are you I there, Jeff? There were runs. Do you hear me? Okay, we got you. Let's see okay. how this works. Okay. Good point. Um, in in week one, I think I was. Uh, I was more concerned about some of the runs and the exposure that was happening um, when you're out of the pocket. Um, and I feel like that was lessened in, in week two, which I think is a good thing um, to work with your arm and not your legs, which is not to say that uh, runs can't, can't work. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was fun to watch. Yeah. The bills did it smart yesterday and you could tell, uh, no matter how much the Bills said after uh, week one against the New York Jets when Josh Allen was running up, uh, while up 21 points uh, twice on that series before uh, he fumbled, um, the Bills come out after the game and say, look, that's our game plan. That's what we're going to do. But funny that when he fumbled while up 21 points, he didn't run again even when the Bills were up by only 11 points and the game seemed to be getting away from them, you knew that Sean McDermott had gotten in Brian Dable's headset and said, knock it off. We're not doing this anymore. And then here the game starts yesterday. Josh Allen takes off on a run up the middle for, I think it was 16 yards and he slid and he only ran a couple of more times during the course of the game. So that's the, that was what got me, I think a little more excited is that was a, a complete offensive performance without those eyebrow-raising moments that makes you think this isn't going to last. I'm sure I'm wrong about this, but it's the first time I can remember him doing actual legitimate NFL quarterback slides. <laughs> um, I think he uh, would I'm do sure it to make a point here or there over the last couple of years, but it never stuck. So we'll see if this sticks. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it was exciting. Um, and I uh, – I'm concerned about the, the linebacker injuries, I think, right now. Because I think that contributed to a little bit of what the Dolphins were able to do in the second half and beyond. Um, but I uh, – so I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not giving up on the defense entirely, but I'm excited about the offense. We're in conversation with Jeff Glore, Kenmore East grad and host of CBS This Morning Saturday. Um, Jeff, it's been only two weeks, and that's the, that's the big caveat, right? Uh, the excitement, uh, the record-setting performances uh, from the quarterback that everybody wants to see do well. Uh, the offense had always been the thing holding them back. The defense uh, had always been in the forefront with the Bills uh, over the past few years. I guess, you know, we're – you got – We've had some time to digest this game against the Dolphins, and uh, the Bills are going to be playing a much tougher opponent. The Los Angeles Rams come to Orchard Park on Sunday. Um, you've seen this before. You've seen last year. The, the, I should say the last time we spoke, the Bills were four and one, and three and zero on the road for the first time since 1993. We've seen hot starts before. Dick Duran, 
you know, whoever, name it. Um, they've Rex Ryan. <laughs> okay. Uh, yes. You're so, right. so how do you balance what your Bills fan brain has endured versus what you've seen the last two weeks? How do you reconcile those two things? You're right. Um, yeah, it's easy to get excited about it and it's easy to get down. Um, how do I balance it? I don't know. I don't know that I, I'm not sure that we've had a quarterback. Do you just enjoy um, the ride? Can you do that? Or is as a Bills fan? No, it it's impossible. As a Bills you? fan, no, 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 no. Always unhappy. <laughs> Waiting um, for the other cleat to drop. Yeah, basically. But I do think, no, I mean, seriously, though, uh, uh, I do think that we have not had a sort of a, a quarterback and a, and, a, and a leader on the field. I don't think of this quality since Jim Kelly, I really, I really don't think, um, but I might be wrong. Um, but yeah, I, I do think you keep it in check, but I do think that, um, it's, um, yeah, you just, uh, trust in the trust in the process. I think that, um, what, what Sean and, and Brandon are doing, or it's, it's been pretty impressive for a few years. Um, and, and the fact that they, you know, trust in the process is a is a massive cliche, and and it, and it's a ridiculous term at this point, but um, it's kind of what you have to go with, I think, if you're a Bills fan. Now, Matthew Fairburn uh, just wrote a story uh, last night uh, with some comments from people who played with both Josh Allen and Ryan Fitzpatrick, and it was a comparison that I hadn't really thought about until you hear it out of their own voice. So, Matt, I'll leave it up to you since you wrote the story, but. Maybe, uh, you know, bounce it off of Jeff and, and see what he happens to think of this. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, Tim and I were, um, you know, Tim was sitting there when I was writing the story and I was almost, you know, like bracing for impact when I published it because I'm thinking people are going to be bent out of shape about even the notion that that Ryan Fitzpat there's any Ryan Fitzpatrick in Josh Allen. But to me, I, you know, Bills fans haven't felt this way about a quarterback since probably Ryan Fitzpatrick. Now, Ryan Fitzpatrick wasn't as good as Josh Allen. I, I think that was the the crux of the story. He didn't have the talent, but he got his teammates to follow him the same way. Um, he was tough this, you know, the same way, throwing his body on the line in the same way. And it seems like Bills fans feel just as strongly, if not more strongly, about Josh Allen than they did Ryan Fitzpatrick, who is still beloved uh, among Bills fans. So I don't know. I guess I'm I'm curious what what you think about about that connection and maybe um, what made Ryan Fitzpatrick that way. What is it about both of these guys that make Bills fans just you know have hard eyes over them? Um, I don't know. I I, Wait, I, I want to make it clear because you you couldn't read his lips because you're on phone. Uh, and you, because you refused to do the Zoom uh, with the rest of us, he said heart eyes, H-E-A-R-T-I-S. I, 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 lo I love the way you wrote the article because um, you did say triggered uh, initially, which I think is what it, that, that comparison initially does to a lot of Bills fans, including myself. Um, but I do think it is a different situation. Yeah, I, I think that Ryan Fitzpatrick was beloved. Um, yeah, was he given a huge contract, uh, probably too early? Yes. Um, but are they different players? Yes. Um, do I still like the way that 
I still love the way that Ryan Fitzpatrick plays. Um, but I don't think that, um, I don't think that he was developed and, and, um, and has the same talent that Josh Allen has. Um, so, but it's a, it's a, listen, I, I think the Bills, the Bills fans are always going to love who their quarterback is. You know, I, I, Jack still has his Tyrod Taylor jerseys up in his room right now. Um, so. And Jack is it, what, it, 10 years old now? He's 10 now. Yeah. So it, it, it it's not going to matter, but I, and again, maybe this is, you're right. It, it, it might just be false promises that we believe everything that's happening uh, in, in, in the current day is, is, is good. Maybe that's, maybe that's right. But I, I do think it, it looks, it doesn't look terrible right now. Let's put it that way. No, not at all. And for the record, I did go back and listen to that segment in which you did predict for Josh Allen last season, uh, a little rose colored glasses, but not, not over. <laughs> I mean, not outrageously. So you said 24 touchdowns, 12 interceptions and 3,500 to 4,000 yards. Uh, he came in at 20 touchdowns, nine interceptions, uh, just a shade over 3,000 yards. Didn't come close in the yardage category, but still a playoff team. Ten rushing touchdowns, too. So, oh, right. really, he, I, think, even fa- yeah, I think Jeff, under, he undersold him, really. He shortchanged okay. him. But where I so will if I say – Oh, go ahead, Jeff. If I were no. going to predict, if I, if I predict this season before the first two games, and I'm trying to go back and be as objective as possible – given what's happened, I would have said 29-9-4. That 29-9. and nine. All right. Uh, well, my eyes bugged out, uh, and I, that was not theatrically. When you went to 29-9, and because if he's throwing it around for 29, I'm thinking 15. But so far we've seen – impressive accuracy from Josh Allen. Yes, he's, he's sailed some balls. Um, you know, he's missed some guys, even missed, uh, uh, missed a couple yesterday, even though his, he's throwing yeah. at 70% completion. But where I will, what I wanted to mention, Jeff, where we're talking about how our brains sometimes can't allow, and I'm not a Bills fan, but I've covered them for so long, and I've been in Buffalo since January of 2000. My first day at the Buffalo News was the Monday after home run throwback. So I've seen a lot of bad football. And my brain, it doesn't compute sometimes. So I see what's happening on the field, and I, my brain just says, all right, well, this will all even itself out at some point. You know, the 5-1 and one Trent Edwards start, you know, all that stuff. Um, but what I'm seeing out of the receivers in particular, and obviously Josh Allen has a big part of that, but these catches that Stefan Diggs is making, particularly the one on the sideline yesterday, and Gabe Davis, and Matt Fairburn was sitting next to me on both of these. My immediate reaction was, that's incomplete. That's coming back. The Gabe Davis one, he skipped, you know, he kind of, the way he skidded in the end zone, that's coming back. Well, heaven, lo and behold, those replays are showing these guys are making those plays that we're used to seeing other teams make on the Sunday night highlights, right? When you're done watching yeah. your best play on Sunday and you're watching the highlights from the other games when Chris Berman and Tom Jackson are giving the highlights, well, now Bill's players are making those plays. No, yeah, my reaction was, holy shit. <laughs> uh, 
I mean, seriously, I, I, yeah, you're right. I haven't seen those catches in, in a long time. And I think it is a difference maker. And I think Josh, I think Allen is good, but I think that when you have receivers who can make, and Davis has been, I, I mean, again, you guys have seen it closer than I have. And I, but I, I, I mean, I've seen all the reporting and the writing. It, it, he seems like sort of a revelation. I mean, and I know they bring rookies along slowly, but um, he seems pretty good. <laughs> It was amazing the way he caught the back end of that ball and was able to tuck it in the span of, I don't know what the timing would be, but he's only a foot off the ground. He's able to catch, to catch the back end of the ball, number one, is extremely difficult. And then to find a way to tuck it underneath his forearm so that way it doesn't skid on the turf. I mean, that's a big league play. And granted, you can see a receiver, probably any receiver in the NFL can make a play like that. And we need to see davis over time but stefan diggs making that catch along the sidelines that he did yeah we could see i don't know somebody throw a bills receiver out at me donald jones could make that play here or there but you're seeing stefan diggs he seems to be the type of guy that's going to make those plays you know two out of three weeks so he's good i mean that's me that's just me talking that's just the sense i get so that's where things are you know, I'm starting to – I'm not saying Super Bowl because, let's face it, you see Josh Allen post these numbers like he did yesterday and people are saying MVP. Well, Pat Mahomes was playing at 4 o'clock. Uh, Russell Wilson and Cam Newton had, an, had a game, uh, an instant classic last night. So there are a lot of – Lamar Jackson, I think, has a higher completion percentage maybe even than, than Josh Allen right now or I don't know, something like that. There's a lot of good quarterbacks in the AFC. There's a lot of good young quarterbacks in the AFC who are – and the Rams are good. Jeez, I think. Well, they were just in the Super Bowl two years ago. Uh, Disappointing season last year. Uh, Aaron Donald will will be interesting to see what the Bills offensive line does. Um, Jalen Ramsey on Stephon Diggs. Yeah. Sean McVay, the boy genius on the – you know, offensive side of the ball up against Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier, who arguably game plan and call plays on defense as well as any team in the league. You don't really talk about it when people do it on defense, right? You want to talk about Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan and these offensive schemers. But I think that matchup, that chess match is as interesting as any this weekend. What is the rest of the Rams backfield beyond uh, secondary beyond Jalen Ramsey? That's a good question. They don't have, I mean, I think they're beatable. Um, I, I think they've shown that. I think they, they get by, and even Ramsey had his moments against the Cowboys. That's the Rams game that I've watched this season. I haven't gone back and watched last week. But Ramsey had his moments where, you know, he's a big physical corner, but a, a, a receiver like Diggs who can separate and, you know, get off the line quickly could give him some problems. I'm curious to see what the Rams do, but they also get by a lot on Aaron Donald, like Tim mentioned, blowing through the backfield. And, um, you know, you know, they have a couple of big names on that side of the ball that, that kind of make up for the rest of the guys. So what, you just like triple team Aaron Donald, basically the whole game. And I'm fine with putting Stefan, put Diggs one-on-one with Ramsey and see what happens. Right, because then you got to deal with what? John Brown, Cole Beasley, Gabriel Davis. The Bills have run 32 plays out of four wide receiver sets this year. The next closest team is the Arizona Cardinals 
who have run 17 plays out of four wide receiver sets. It's almost twice as much as the next closest team in the league, which tells you how they feel about their receivers. And it also tells you that the Rams are going to have to be ready to have more than just Jalen Ramsey on the field. They're going to be spread thin at that position. What did the Cardinals do yesterday? The Cardinals beat Washington uh, pretty handily. Oh. Um, and yeah, they're, they're one of those teams. And, and this is what's interesting, I think, about this Bills season is you now, last year we spent the whole year saying, well, wait, you know, we'll see who they play, right? They hadn't really played anybody that good. And so you didn't get to see them tested against different good teams. Now we get to see them, you know, Sean McVay and the Rams are a different challenge than Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, who are a different challenge than the Arizona Cardinals. They all play offense in a different way. They all have different strengths. By the time this Bills season hits November, we're going to have seen them against all sorts of different matchups and see how they handle it. And we're going to have a much better sense of how ready they are to, you know, do what, you know, a lot of people are starting to dream about, and that's make a run in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, Kyler Murray is good. Yeah, Yeah, that's another quarterback that we didn't mention who's off to a really good start. Uh, he's uh, doing a little bit more uh, running the ball than throwing, but you know, we, people are excited about Josh Allen and his 70% completion percentage. He's ninth in the NFL right now. Uh, Russell Wilson's at 82%. Russell Wilson has, has nine touchdown passes and nine incompletions. I'm sorry. He has 11 incomplete passes. So um, incredible there. Uh, Lamar Jackson, uh, Kirk Cousins is at 76%. Of course, Josh Allen, the mind-boggling number for him is the yardage at 729, leads the NFL. Uh, Gardner Minshew, though, has just as many touchdown passes as, as Josh Allen right now, as does Ryan Tannehill. Um, so we probably should tap the brakes on the MVP talk. It's only two weeks, and there are a lot of good quarterbacks yeah. in the NFL. Uh, you know, he, Even in the AFC, he's probably got to take a backseat to some guys. So, um, But a very exciting start. Um, Jeff, before we let you go, and we're talking with Jeff Glor of uh, CBS this morning, uh, Saturday, uh, I want to talk about your Goodfellas uh, piece uh, over the weekend. I really enjoyed it because <laughs> such a great movie, one of those classics that everybody has to stop and watch at least a scene or two, uh, no matter how many times you've seen it before. Um, but to be able to sit down with the author of uh, Made Men, the story of Goodfellas, which uh, Glenn Kenny wrote that book, uh, the new book, but also Nicholas Pileggi who wrote the original yeah. book on Henry Hill and then uh, worked with Martin Scorsese on, on the screenplay. Um, what was it like to just to get into the, the behind the scenes aspect of such an iconic movie? He was awesome. And, you know, Nick has such a great background, you know, coming up as, as a print reporter covering, um, covering crime and the mafia and, and Jimmy Hoffa and the Teamsters. And so, as we said in the story, sort of he, he was in training for sort of decades, um, you know, to um, to do something like this. And I I love the story about like you know, um, you know Clay Felker hiring um, uh, Nick at the at at, um, at New York Magazine, where he's basically like, you know, Nick was happy writing just sort of AP print stories. And then all of a sudden he's like, your talent's being wasted. What are you doing? Write some long form stories. Um, And, um, and he went on to do that. And, um, and then from there he went to, to write um, 
some great books, some great nonfiction books. And I just think he, um, he just is, he, he's, he's a tremendous storyteller. Um, and I, I've always respected that about him. And I, and I think that he's also, and I, and I love the fact that he's also willing to be distant from the subject matter. Um, and if his books are going to be turned into movies, um, and some studio is going to say, I'm going to pay you a ton of money, <laughs> take the money and like collaborate with everyone. Um, and then, uh, work on putting out a great movie and don't worry about obsessing over, um, as we say in the piece, like the walls being read in, um, if the walls were read in the book, um, they don't have to be read in the movie necessarily. Um, but I just think he's a great collaborator and he's just, he's, he's just a great storyteller. He knows how to put a story together. Jeff, I don't remember how exactly you worded it, but you essentially called it the triumvirate of gangster, not movies because Sopranos doesn't count, but anyway, you called it Godfather, Goodfellas and Sopranos. What was the phrasing you used? Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's the dissolution of the, of the mafia, right? So it was in, in the Godfather, you've got Marlon Brando, you know, petting a cat and he's like the king of the world. Okay. And then you go to, um, you go to Goodfellas and it's the street level version of what was happening. And obviously Henry Hill's life blew up, even though it's interesting to note, um, you know, Henry Hill was, was the informer. Um, but he's also the guy who outlived everyone else, um, as crazy as he was. Um, the odds were not you know, in his favor. Everybody, everybody else died in prison or was killed. And Henry Hill died peacefully cooking uh, pasta sauce in his, in his California home. Um, and then it was, and then it was, I hate to quibble. I hate to quibble. I hate to quibble Jeff, but I'm guessing if he was cooking pasta sauce at the time it happened, it wasn't peaceful. Fair enough. Um, watch, watch the, uh, there's a, there's a YouTube video. He made, he, he wrote a great cookbook by the way, which was fantastic. I didn't know. Um, that. And there's a, there's a hilarious, there's a hilarious YouTube video of Henry Hill uh, trying to, uh, trying to stow away booze while he's making uh, food for his family after he was um, removed from the FBI informant list. Um, One of the all-time great Howard Stern guests. I don't know if you would hear him when he would be on Howard Stern, but he was a hoot. I I, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. Um, So Goodfellas was sort of like the middle where, you know, everything was sort of coming down and um, it was fancy to live that way. But um, also, uh, in the end, lethal. Um, and then it was Sopranos, where you got, um, you know, uh, James Dandolfini walking down his driveway in his bathrobe to get his, his newspaper. Um, and, you know, it, that wasn't what Marlon Brando would have done in The Godfather. And so I, I just, it's just an interesting sort of uh, route that all these, mafia movies took and i i think they're all fantastic in in tv series but it, it's fun, it's fun to watch where do you put casino in that uh in that lineup and the reason i ask is because there are so many similarities to goodfellas that it goes back and forth with me i guess you go with goodfellas in that list of that that triumvirate 
because it came out first. But the cast is very similar. Um, Martin Scorsese even borrows some of the storyline from Casino to use in Goodfellas um, with how, uh, well, you, you, you have to just totally forego the spoilers when the movie's been out for so long. So what, but when uh, Joe Pesci's character gets offed in, in Casino, it really was the way his character, or no, it was vice versa. Anyway, they blended the two. Anyways, but when you're getting into, the, into Goodfellas, I'm guessing you at least tapped, uh, tapped into Casino a little bit. Yes, I did. And I, Goodfellas is better. I, I mean, Casinos is phenomenal. The, the, the cool thing about um, sort of revisiting um, Scorsese's movies as we were doing this story was revisiting some of the movies that were not gangster movies. Um, and, um, and that includes, I never even knew about the movie Silence from four years ago uh, with Andrew Garfield and um, who else is in it? Liam Neeson. Um, who's the guy who played the latest version of Darth Vader? Why am I forgetting his name? Adam Driver. Um, it's phenomenal. It's a really good movie. And uh, and Scorsese made at the at the age of seventy three. And it's like really impressive to to watch and to hear about that he. Um, that he basically has to fight to make every single one of these movies. And he's, and he's still doing that today. And, and the fact that he's not just committed to, to gangster and, and, and crime movies. Um, anyway, he's, he's got a great, uh, a great track record. And the music, right? The guys, uh, when it comes to me, I mean, it gets a little repetitive, but when it works, um, keep doing it. Um, well, Jeff, yeah, I, I, yeah. I kept you for a lot longer than I wanted to, but um, anything you want to mention that I didn't ask you about? I don't think so. I would like predictions for the season from you guys. Well, I gave a 10 and 6 at the start of the season. I'm going to stick with it. I think the schedule gets a lot harder, of course, uh, but I like what I've seen so far. Uh, so 10 and 6 in the playoffs. Uh Cam Newton looks really good. Cam Newton looks really good. Winning the AFC East is something that I expected going into the season, but looking at Cam Newton now, uh, I think the Patriots are still the team to beat. Yeah, yeah, he does look good. Really good. Jonah, what's yours? Uh, I I just said 10 and 6, and I didn't think that they're better than New England would be my prediction. I did want to ask, does Jeff have time for one more question? Yeah. You know, Jeff, I was wondering what you think. We're talking about the mafia, and obviously people refer to Bills fans as the Bills mafia that's taken on its its own life online over the last few years. What do you think about that, how that's used? You know, are you a Bills fan that calls Bills fans Bills mafia? Is that appropriate? How do you think people that are in the mafia might think about that or were in the mafia? I thought it was – I guess I thought it was an odd exp- uh, expression when I first – saw it but I think that I think we've sort of taken ownership of it in a different way and it's become it's become a proprietary thing I think that is different than uh you know uh killing people and um 
I just think it's it, it's its own thing now. So like when people think the mafia that uh, or what was the mafia, um, this is it's a group, and yes, it's tribal as all sports are. Um, but um, it doesn't bother me. I think it's cool. I think it's a it's a it's a group of friends and it's a group of um, of fans. I like to think of us as a journalism mafia, the Western New York journalism mafia right here. Just us <laughs> Mizzou four. mafia. Uh, Mizzou does that. The Mizzou journalism school is Mizzou mafia, they say. Um, that right. Yeah. So, Jeff, I'm going. You can't be in our family then if you're already in I that. guess not. Yeah. The Maurice mafia. We're, we might be a warring, fa- warring factions at some point. I'm out. I'm out. Hey, listen, congrats on the show. Well, if you were on Zoom right now, you'd see that I'm coming from a uh, basement that is uh, a mess, and uh, it's metaphoric for today uh, because we're getting it together. And uh, I, I want to thank you for being uh, the first guest on our transition. Oh, I'm honored. Uh, next time, I promise on video. Nah, I don't want to put you on the spot. I mean, I know you you, you need makeup and all that <laughs> stuff, and it's uh i don't want to put you on the spot i don't want to have to make you put in put product in your hair on your day off you guys are continually doing amazing work on the athletic and everywhere else um and as uh as a fan um an unbiased fan I'm, i will say uh it doesn't matter but it, it, it's a joy to read and it's the it's the number one place to go to so thank you very much thank, thank you, you jeff nice of you to thank say you, jeff. And uh, yep. we'll, be, we'll be seeing you down the road, hopefully in person. Can't wait. All right. That was Jeff Glore, host of CBS This Morning Saturday, and Ken Moore East grad to talk about his beloved Buffalo Bills uh, and, uh, and his most recent uh, piece on CBS This Morning Saturday uh, regarding Goodfellas' uh, 30th anniversary. Um, no Joe Licata. Uh, he sent a text during the uh, during our interview with uh, Jeff Glore. He has duties, uh, uh, some administrative duties at Timon, uh, where he is the athletic director and head football coach. And we were going to talk to him about uh, what he's seen from uh, Josh Allen so far. Uh, Joe Licata, of course, uh, one of the top passing instructors in Western New York as former quarterback of the University of Buffalo and a friend of the show from way back, uh, original co-host of the Tim Graham show back when it was a Buffalo news production. Um, so uh, I guess we can wrap up. Matt, you actually had some uh, stats you wanted to mention regarding the Bills, right? You had a couple of uh, things to to throw out for discussion? Yeah, one of those I mentioned that, that I'm still wrapping my head around is the fact that they've run 32 plays out of four wide receiver sets. And the next 24 teams haven't run a single play out of a four wide receiver set. I mean, this is not um, – this is not the Bills offense we're used to seeing, right? Like they don't uh, spread the ball out. And even the way Sean McDermott talked so much early in his tenure about, um, you know, wanting to run the football in this cold weather and, and different things like that. Brian Dable's making this a, a spread him out and sling the ball around the, the yard type of offense. And uh, I think you've already seen, we, you know, last year, of course, Josh Allen's deep ball was a, a topic of conversation uh, constantly because it was terrible. Uh, he was four for 29 on passes that traveled 30 yards or more um, in the air from the line of scrimmage. 
he went two for three on those passes yesterday alone. Uh, he's seven for nine on passes that have traveled 20 yards or more in the air. Last year, he was 15 for or 18 for 71. So he's completed the most passes that have traveled. Basically, he's the best or one of the best deep passers in football through two weeks of the year. And um, can he keep it up? Uh, I don't know, but that tendency, that aggressiveness, that, you know, sort of mentality they've developed on offense where they're going to spread the field with four wide receivers. They've got a four deep at wide receiver that might be as good as any in the AFC. And Josh Allen is pushing the ball downfield. The week one against the Jets, it was kind of dink and dunk a little bit, a lot of short passes. Last week, he, you know, averaged 10 air yards per attempt. And uh, that's, you know, a top five mark in the league most weeks. Uh, not always good to be pushing it down the field. You know, that doesn't automatically lead to success. But when you're throwing it the way he is, um, you can see the explosive plays and it keeps them in games. Matt, do you think the offensive line, specifically in the pass blocking, is up to the task for this type of offense? I mean, they have been for two games. But I think last year it seemed like that line was a lot better run blocking than pass blocking and maybe they couldn't play this style. Yeah, it's weird because uh, Josh Allen's near the bottom of the league in, in how often he's pressured in a good way. He's not being pressured that often through two weeks. And, you know, the, they're finding ways around it. Um, I think Daryl Williams is pretty good. Uh, I think he's probably an upgrade over what they had at right tackle. Um, Quentin Spain had some, some rough moments yesterday, so they're kind of shuffling things around. I think they missed John Feliciano. But I think they also, like you saw week one, right? They're up against the Jets. Greg Williams likes to blitz. So Brian Dable used a ton of play action and a ton of quick passing. Uh, things teams have used against the Bills to counteract their pass rush in years past. This week, knowing that you know they didn't have quite the same challenge uh, in the Dolphins, you know, they took, you know, a little bit more liberties and letting plays develop downfield. Josh Allen's also good at escaping pressure. So I think he makes the offensive line look better than it is at times because he's able to get out, extend plays, buy time. You're right, though. You know, Aaron Donald next week, um, you know, various pass rushers are going to give him some trouble. He hasn't been pressured that often. And so, you know, you see some different things. You're going to see teams adjust uh, to, to what he's doing. And I think they do have the depth on the offensive line to hold up for a season um, and maintain this style of play because they have a quarterback who's not afraid. It's not as if he can't be pressured. It's not as if he's not willing to stand in there and take a hit or, you know, evade a pass rusher and keep his eyes downfield. I think that's the benefit they have that, you know, like a team like the Rams doesn't necessarily have, right? If Jared Goff is knocked off his spot, he's not quite as good um, as Josh Allen knocked off his spot. But it's something interesting to watch because things have been, you know, pretty comfy back there in the pocket for Josh through two weeks. And it probably won't be that way every week because they don't get to play the Jets and Dolphins every week. I'm looking forward to the time that we see uh, the Bills at least try to shift into a different offense. Uh, and they do have Lee Smith on the roster for a reason. If they were going to go all out with this aerial assault offense, then Lee Smith's not on the roster. Yes, he's been deactivated the first two weeks, but his job is a blocking tight end 
And I think that he's on the roster because at some point the Bills know that they're going to have to line it up and grind it out, even if it's against a few opponents this year based on, you know, situational football, uh, preparing uh, to put your uh, best offense out on the field, not only for your own production, but to exploit whoever your opponent is. Uh, the great, uh, the great um, uh, phrase of making your opponent play left-handed. So if there's a, a team out there that's particularly good against the pass and very weak against the run, um, of course, I guess that could have been the Dolphins this past week, but we may see them line up with Lee Smith at tight end, and maybe they have to do it sooner than they'd like with Dawson Knox uh, recovering from a concussion. But maybe, there's, maybe there is an opponent or two coming up where they decide we're going to pound this out. We're going to hand the ball to Zach Moss and Devin Singletary and, and uh, see what we can do. Would have been nice if that were yesterday. One more yard. One more yard from Zach Moss was all we needed. They did that with Lee Three Smith quarters of a the, yard, if, if the statistician would have given it to us. Sure. Three or or six-ninths, six or I guess that's a third. A third of a yard would have been. Or how the, um, how, the, yard. how the ref marked the football on one of his runs, for all we know. Um, we might have to go back and watch and send some tapes into the, uh, the book, the odds makers, and say, uh, contest that, that one. But they do need – Lee Smith at some point, right? They're going to, you're right. They're going to do that. I think about that Steelers game last year where they knew it was going to be a dog fight. They knew it was going to be tough to pass the ball. And they, Lee Smith played a ton of snaps in that game. And I'm not sure I've, he's a guy that's got quite a bit of juice, right? He's a, a fiery dude. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen him as fired up as he was uh, in the locker room after that game. He was, he gets into a different level when he's asked to play a bunch of snaps and hit people and, and do what he does. I know people roll their eyes at Lee Smith sometimes because he takes penalties and he doesn't catch the football, but you're right. There's going to come a time. I think that's the thing about this bill's offense is they can shift into those different modes. They now have four wide receivers at their disposal. When could they have done that? You know, like shifting into four wide receiver sets and hurt teams that way. They didn't really have that. Uh, Brian Dable can say, you know what? Yeah, we're going to run the ball at this team. And we've got, you know, two third round picks, talented running backs to do it with. And we've got this battering ram of a tight end that we can throw in there. So the the various options gives them some flexibility that they haven't had on offense really since I've been covering the team. And we really haven't talked about the defense much with the exception of Injuries, you know, highlighting Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano being hurt was really the main topic of discussion now through two weeks of the regular season for the Bills, which is a good sign. Uh, you know, yeah, we talk about Tredavious White and his contract and things like that, but they did give up 28 points yesterday. But the Bills offense really just totally eclipsed whatever whatever we would be talking about the Bills defense today. And the same thing for for week one, uh, defense made some great plays, but everybody wanted to talk Josh Allen, and everybody's excited about Stephon Diggs, of course. And, you know, John Brown's still there, and uh, people may be curious about what's going to happen in the backfield, but the defense is just constantly overlooked. I don't want to call them a no-name defense like, uh, you know, the Dolphins during the heyday. Um, or who was the no-name defense? Which one was that? The, no, the, the Dolphins were the killer bees. 
but no, oh geez. I, I am have to turn in my his, my uh, historian's uh, card, my Pro Football Research Association membership card. Um, it was the the Dolphins. Seventy two Dolphins. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Okay, yeah. So the seventy two Dolphins were the no name defense. Then the Killer Bean the were. You don't remember their name. <laughs> that's right. Good point. Um, I guess that's irony. Uh, I, I hesitate to use the word irony, uh, but I think that qualifies. I think um, if, you're, if you're a Bills fan, don't you have to be a little concerned about the defense? Maybe not fault how this defense was put together, but the injuries, the opt-outs, you know, two not very good teams, and they give up that many points in two weeks. I, I mean, I, I would be a little concerned about this defense going up against an offense like the Rams next week. I totally agree. I think this is going to be a totally different uh, opponent, and you know, this isn't one that you can bully. And – I think that they do deserve a little bit of a break from yesterday. They're in prevent defense that touchdown late. They, sh- you know, a bit of a miscalculation to only be down three, but in the, in the league now onside kicks just don't get recovered. And I'm saying that knowing full well what happened in that Falcons Cowboys game, because that kick should not have been recovered either. The Falcons, I don't know, Dan Quinn, the, the special teams coordinator at minimum should be fired today. And Dan Quinn may be right behind him because your players need to know that in that situation, as the as the receiving team, you don't you don't need to wait for the ball to go ten yards. The kicking team does, and so you had all these Falcons sitting around watching the ball roll ten yards uh, and waiting for a cowboy to fall on it. Um, anyways, that's a total fluke. Uh, but onside kicks just don't get recovered. You know the Bills did let the Dolphins score a little too easily yesterday to cut the lead to three. Um, but that's, uh, that's my rambling way of saying that they maybe deserve a pass uh, a little bit, the defense uh, yesterday, but yeah, it, I mean, 21 point, even if you want to say 21 points on Ryan Fitzpatrick, um, Sam Darnold allowing him to claw back into it. Um, Jared Goff and those guys and their two receivers with their brand new contracts, Cooper cup and old friend, Robert Woods. And, uh, yeah, it, uh, boy genius, um, Sean McVay is going to be, uh, is going to be a, a fascinating character on, on Sunday. You know, Sean McVay has played a game in Buffalo before with no fans. Well, we're going to have to check into, I'll have to check pro football reference for that. It was Miami, Ohio, the year of the October storm, you'd be at a game. Oh, I was joking. I thought, no, I no, thought it really you... happened. He played in that game. No kidding. I forgot about that game even existing with the November. I was at that game. I don't remember much anything else. Somebody had reminded me of this tidbit, but. Who else was in that game? Who would, who would, was Joe Licata in that game? Joe Licata. That was before Joe Licata, but that'd be Turner Gill was the coach. Drew Willie, Naaman Roosevelt. Drew Willie. It was that era. Well, maybe we get Naaman Roosevelt on the horn. He can tell us what it's like. CFL standout, Naaman Roosevelt. All right, let's wrap up this show. We went uh, an hour. Uh, I wasn't trying to hit the hour mark. I thought maybe we'd go 45 minutes today, but uh, even without Joe Licata for us to go an hour, um, nice of Jeff Glor to stay on for a half hour with us. Uh, but uh, this is uh, the soft launch, which there are people in my life who are used to me having soft launches. And this is just the latest. 
Uh, first time I've done it in the basement, though. Uh, so we'll see uh, how things go. And we'll have uh, the show will look different. And uh, this is just uh, renovation time. This is transition Tim Graham show. The no frills Tim Graham show. Maybe the last Tim Graham show. I hope it is the last Tim Graham show because I do want to get going on, on the next thing. We should tease the relaunch by saying the Tim Graham show is ending. Then everybody will say how much they miss it. And then we can come back a couple of days later. Nobody will say they miss it. <laughs> I can think of two people on Twitter that will say they miss it. May, perhaps. I'll create some Twitter accounts and start tweeting about how much I missed the Tim Graham show, just to yeah. drum up interest. Burners. The thing about it too, is there were, we would have a lot of people saying, thank God you suck, but I've muted them. So I wouldn't see that. So all I would see is the, the three people I'm giving myself credit. I'm going to say there's three. Uh, I say, when, Hey, when's the show coming back? And then there, and I'd miss the 78 people who were saying beat it. I've been golfing with Ravi this summer, so I know he misses it. So there's, there's at least one. one. That's right. Ravi. I, I get asked about it every once in a while. Mike McDonald, people at Damon that listen to the show. No, I get asked about it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm being a wise being guy. I do get asked modest. about it. I'm flattered whenever I do hear, for, hear about it because, you know, sports, uh, sports Radio 1270 isn't the strongest signal. And I was never sure who was listening on what format. Yes, I get a rundown as to how many downloads I get, uh, you know, on iTunes and through SoundCloud. And uh, now we're going to be going to a YouTube uh, channel also. So we'll find out how we get viewed that way. Um, so we'll find out. So it's good to hear when I occasionally do have somebody ask me when the show's coming back. Um, that does make me feel good. So it, it makes it seem like we're not wasting our time. Um, and, um, hopefully we get to build on something and, and do it a little bit different. So guys, thanks along. Thanks for uh, coming along for the ride here, uh, for what hopefully is the final Tim Graham show as we relaunch, uh, as something new. As the Jonah Maybe Bronstein like, show. I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll be coming back as the Jonah Bronstein show. At long <laughs> <Right>? last. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm fine with that. Really? <laughs> um, that's fine. Well, We'll have to see what CTBK thinks. Right. I, I don't know if they'd care. <laughs> I, I think is we'll see. Um, so thanks for joining us. If you've made it this far in the podcast uh, for Matthew Fairburn of the athletic for Jonah Bronstein of the Bronstein and Bronstein sports journalism injury firm. Uh, thanks for, uh, thanks for uh, being on here with me. And thanks to CTBK CPAs and business consultants uh, of Amherst for sponsoring the show. Uh, and if you, if CTBK, I'm speaking to you right now, if you've stayed till the end here to see what exactly you're sponsoring, I promise uh, it'll, it'll look better uh, next time and uh, sound better. Uh, there will not be paint cans over my shoulder. I promise. Uh, Get better every day. Shortly, shortly. Maybe, maybe they'll still be there for the next episode, but eventually they'll be gone. Uh, thanks for joining us and uh, we'll catch you next time.